You know, this morning we have already said words, praise unbroken, praise unending, praise untainted, praise unfading. We've also from our own mouths to the Lord said, Lord, take this life, let it become your throne. Like you said that. I heard you singing it really loud. We've made statements of our own lives. We've said the word surrender. We've said the word devotion. We've even made the bold declaration, I heard you sing it. Let my deeds outrun my words. Let my life outweigh my songs. I heard you. Is that what you want? Like these are, it's amazing when we consider, I mean, like obviously if you've seen any of the Medea series, she, she's pretty rough around the edges. Like we know she doesn't mean a lot of what she's saying there. She's putting on the show. And for all of us, we kind of don't like it when somebody says something they don't mean, right? Like we don't like that. If someone says something and we know they're not going to do it, we're just kind of like, yeah. But have you ever thought about what comes across our lips on a Sunday morning? Like, if you were to go back and look at all the songs we just sang and go, what did I just say? I said that out loud? Yikes. Like, it, it's baffling to me. Like, I, thinking through some of those songs, and there are times that I'm just like, I'm not, I can't sing that right now. I don't want to sing that right now because I know what that means. The statements that we make together are often baffling. We've sung about the blood of Christ. We've sung about how mighty his works are, what he's done, what he's been capable of. And, 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 and praise is a result of seeing who God is. His mighty deeds, his holiness. I mean, we just sang about his holiness. And it's something that I think has escaped us because if we really believed he was holy, we would hate our sins so much more. Right? Like, these are statements that we make to the Lord that he's holy, that he's powerful, that he's mighty, that he's judge and he's just and he's righteous. But then we run after other things. Part of praise is also singing about what he has done. So we've defined who he is by the words that we've sung, but then we've also praised him because of his, his work, like what he did on the cross and what Jesus accomplished and what the, what the cross meant. And we prayed about it this morning, the gospel of Jesus, the, the life, death, and resurrection. That's what we believe, and that's where we anchor. And if it wasn't for Jesus' perfect life, he couldn't have died a sinless death, and, and then we would still be dead in our sins. So we praise him. And that he rose from the dead. We praise him. He affirmed all the miracles that he did by raising from the dead. So we praise him. The things we say on a Sunday morning really are baffling, if you think about it. To go back and look at the words we have sung, not just about who God is, but then we go to, what is my response? Like, we sing out loud the things we want to do because of who he is. Like we sing about surrender and devotion and all of these words together in response to who he is. And we say those things together out loud. Like, I want my life to be your throne. Do you know how dangerous a statement that is? But we say all these things together, corporately, together as praise. 
because of who God is and what he has done. In the Old Testament, there are three different words they use for praise, and one of those is to make noise. Just general, make noise. The other one really points to like gestures. Some might call it dancing, <laughs> right? Or creative movement. And if you're Baptist, you don't like to call it dancing. It's all right. I understand. It's all right. We'll be dancing together in heaven in eternity. Just you wait. And then the other one is to use instruments and to sing, which we have done together. Some of you have expressed all of those words for praise this morning together. Some of you see your singing as noise, and that's okay. Joyful noise to the Lord. Some of you raised hands. Some of you sat down low. Some of you wept. Some of you were on your face. Some of it, the, the postures matter in our praise. We do these things, and then we've sung, and Nate and his team have led us in these words that have been coming out of our lungs. And I heard you singing loud. And it was awesome. Like to hear the saints, those who have placed their trust in Christ, singing these words loud, like it is, it makes a difference. It causes me to go, oh, right. God is so on the move. And he's changing us and he's shaping us and he's molding us into a people who reflect his son. And there are people who love that God is up to that work. And I need to hear your voices singing these things together. All of those motions, though, in praise in the Old Testament, whether you're making noise or you're dancing or you're singing or playing an instrument, we're all in response to who God is and what he has done. In Psalm 95, Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him, for the Lord is a great God a great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands formed the dry land too. That's why we praise him. It's all his. He did that. He thought of that. And he didn't just think of it and put it on a drawing board. He made it. That's why we praise him. Psalm 117, praise the Lord, all you nations. Praise him, all you people of the earth, for his unfailing love for us is powerful. The Lord's faithfulness endures forever. Praise the Lord. So you've got this God who made all of this incredible creation whose powerful love for us is unending and unfailing. It does not fail. You ever thought about his love not failing? That just causes a heart to go, that's different than what I've seen, I've known, and I've experienced. I think I might just praise him for it. Hallelujah. This is where our faces and our hearts have to talk. Because we're like, I'm praising the Lord in my heart. And your face and your heart need to have a conversation. Because <laughs> you look like you hate everyone. <laughs> you really do. Anyways. And in Psalm 150, a psalm that encourages us to praise God with everything, including 
the kitchen sink. Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise is natural. Um, And it's totally needed to fully enjoy whatever it is you're enjoying. Um, And I, I mentioned a couple of things. And see how... Like, I love basketball in the basketball world, and I could have showed, uh, you know, UNC almost giving away a game last night. Um, I won't. Uh, so instead, I want to show you this, this shot, uh, Steph Curry, you know, and his incredibleness. Watch. Just a second. I know some of you don't care about basketball. That's all right. Curry splits the defense behind the back. Fires a three. Oh, he cuts it in. What a spectacular move. But this was certainly the highlight play of the day. Stephen Curry. Knocks down the three. The Warriors outscore them 30 to 18. Steve Kerr can't believe it. All right. Now, to fully enjoy that, you stand up and go, Are you kidding me? If you love basketball, all right? (laughs) Now, see, here's the deal. There is someone in the Bay Area who loves Steph Curry so much, she's actually got this title now. You can see. All right, so for her to fully enjoy what she has experienced with the Golden State Warriors, she gets up and dances, okay? She can't control it. Like, she she would just be sitting, but she can't because she just saw amazing stuff done on the basketball court. Now, she likes to move. Now, there is this, this, uh, this group who puts these videos together, and they're basically trying not to fill in the blank. And so there is um, one of the videos that they made is called Try Not to Sing Along. Okay, Now, some of you, if you've enjoyed music for most of your life, uh, and, and just watch. They're, they're put up to the challenge. From now on, no singing, but also no dancing, no head moving, and no lip syncing. Okay, that's fine. I'm ready for the challenge. I'm pretty sure I can win. You just kind of like have to, you know? Come on! You can't not! I lose, but I love this song. Hmm, that one was tough. Staying alive, man! It's being alive! If you don't react to it, you're not alive! You automatically lose! Myself. That's such a good one. You actually have to have no heart to not think about that guy. Oh my god, the fresh pants of Belair, of course. Oh, now this is a story. <laughs> my life got to turn upside down. Okay, over it. I can take a loss to this one. Prince of So good! I lost. But that's a good one. When a song that comes on that I like, I just start to vibe, so I'm not mad that I lost. I did very poorly, but this is a fun challenge. I like it. My day's made. I can go home happy. (laughs) So, to fully enjoy a song, you sing. You do. Like, it's not like you're about to enjoy it, but to enjoy it, you sing. You sing along. And uh, it, when you enjoy the presence of one Beyonce, you also do this. 
she went with the whole make noise thing. She, to fully enjoy praising and, and enjoying Beyonce's presence, she just went straight to noise making. And uh, the internet has not been kind to her, if you have seen the memes uh, out there. <laughs> so, when you, when you consider it, try not celebrating at all something you've enjoyed. It's awkward. You are awkward. If you were to sit in a room with a whole bunch of people going crazy over UNC, narrowly escaping and almost handing Oregon a win, if you sat there like this, it's just awkward. Praise is natural. And praise is a result of fully enjoying something, not about to enjoy something, but fully enjoying something. Brian, am I right? Steakhouse, right? You enjoy the steak, and you're just like, I cannot believe that steak. I just want to sing about that steak. To fully have enjoyed something, praise is a natural result. And in the Old Testament, praise is a command. See God say that to us. We see that it's pleasing to God. We also see that praise tells the nations about God's story. The songs that we sing, the, the lives that we live, declare to the nations that God is who He says He is, and He's done what He says He will do. The power of praise also becomes very clear when it is meant to be done together. Psalm 34 says this, Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt His name. What's that word? Together. Psalm 35, 18, Then I will thank you in front of the great assembly. I will praise you before all the people. So there's something about this done together. Rejoicing before the Lord because of who He is and what He has done. And all through the New Testament, we see outbursts of praise as well. In um, Luke chapter 18, a response to Jesus. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. When he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. They told him that Jesus, the Nazarene, was going by. So he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet. The people in front yelled at him, but he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. As the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. And Jesus said, all right. Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. In Acts chapter 2, this infamous church that everybody I talk to that hates going to church wants. They all want the Acts chapter 2 church. They just don't want to go to church. I'm just, again, cynicism and sarcasm. It's, it's part of my flesh. You'll have to excuse me. Acts chapter 2, verse 43. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. 
They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And shortly after this, in Acts chapter 3, when Peter and John are on their way to an afternoon prayer service, the gate of a temple, there was a crippled man who'd been brought there for many years begging for money. And he asks Peter and John for some money, and Peter and John are like, Will you look at us? <laughs> what money? We ain't got no money. But what we do have, we will give you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And then this is the scene that immediately follows. Verse 7, Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with him. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. Our praise is directly connected to having seen and experienced Jesus. I can't force you to praise. I can't, I, I, I want you to praise, but obviously if there's been no experience or enjoyment of Christ, it makes sense to me that you would not and that you would withhold and you'd give your praise somewhere else. But for the believer, praise is a response of us experiencing what Isaiah chapter 9 points to. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Those of us who have recognized we've been in darkness now can see. We have been seen by God. Not just that we can see, but that He saw us. We were lost, having been found blind, now being able to see fully. A sinner once condemned, no longer condemned, but free. Praise is a response to who God is and what he has done. In Hebrews chapter 13, Jesus is described as the same yesterday, today, and forever, that he does not change. And for your and my sake, that's a very good thing. So the, the writer of Hebrews says, look, because he never changes and never will change, don't go running to new things just because they're new. Okay? So for our benefit, it's good that Jesus does not change. And this is the reason we don't go running to new things, because they're new. Because that means they will be old. And you and I get to approach the altar in a way the Old Testament priests never did. And so the writer of Hebrews is setting up this beautiful picture. And then he says these words in verse 15. Therefore, okay, that's because something has already happened. Therefore... Let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name, and don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. This is what pleases him. Continual sacrifice of praise, remembering and considering others and doing good to them. Because of what he has done. There are times on Sunday mornings that after we worship, don't, then your skin just feels too tight, right? Like there's times you just, you just like, man, if there's a way to like explode, 
to show God how much I love them. I'd do it right now, I promise. I would, I would just out of my skin, gone, you know? There are those moments. And then there are those moments when after a service, you just want to walk up to everyone and hug them, right? You're just like, I love you, man. But like Monday through Saturday, we're like the meanest people alive. There's something that happens when we praise, when we say that he is kind and good and generous and merciful and powerful. We're willing to drop all of the stuff that we hold on to and in a gathering like this, hug people we don't even know. Now, you, after service, you might need to ask for permission to hug people. Don't just go up and grab people, okay? I'm not giving you that. But there's something beautiful about that, like our affection for each other shows up when we show our affection to God. It's mind-boggling. But it's a result of knowing who God is and what he has done. The humorous part of all of this praise talk is that in our praise, with our lips, we sing songs that remind us that praise is not just lip service. Like you guys said it this morning, Let my deeds outrun my words. Let my life outweigh my songs. So even in our lip service, we are being reminded that praise is not just lip service, but it is a life surrendered. And in many ways, we've just sung the controversial words that Jesus' brother James writes in James chapter 2. Some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith? If you don't have good deeds, I will show you my faith by my good deeds. It's not just faith. It's not just good deeds. What we have our faith in will be displayed by what we do. James makes it very clear. I can say I have faith on Sunday morning, but when I walk out those doors Monday through Saturday, my life will declare what I have faith in. And it becomes very clear and very obvious to the world around us what we love most. So how does praise go unbroken? How does it go unending? How does it go untainted? How does it go unfading? When my lips stop moving in here, how does my life remain his out there? It's a great question. It's a great prayer. It's a great conversation piece to go, how do I move just beyond saying something on a Sunday morning to Monday through Saturday going, God, please let my life be your throne. God, please let my my words, don't let that be all that I'm about. Let my life outrun that bad boy. My mouth can go a million miles an hour. So if I need to slow down my talking so my life can catch up, maybe I need to do that. I don't know. How do I do that? Lord, take this life. Let it become your throne. Hebrews 13 again. Let's read it one more time. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Continual sacrifice of praise, allegiance to his name. I think we think allegiance to his name is easy, but it's not. It is a sacrifice to put down the things that this world wants me to pick up. What I mean by that, regardless of what my flesh or what your flesh feels like running after, allegiance to his name says, Jesus, your thoughts first. 
See, when your flesh says, I want to run after this thing because I think it's what I'm supposed to do, I say, hold that thought, flesh. Jesus, where do you think I should go? What do you think I should pursue? Regardless of some sexual identity that a culture wants to affirm and say, go do whatever you want, I say, hold on there, sexual identity. Let me go ask what Jesus' thoughts are on it. You think that's easy? Absolutely not. Because I have the desire doesn't mean it's right. This is where Jesus' words go to war against my sin, against my flesh, against popular culture's thoughts. And so for me to say a continual sacrifice of praise is to say, Jesus, your thoughts first over everything I think about my life. Jesus, your thoughts first over every desire that I have in my life. Everything. Every identity I've tried to slap over my chest. Every thought that I have allowed creep into my brain. Everything I've run after in this life. Jesus, your thoughts first. I told you it's not easy. Regardless how the culture tells me my happiness is most important, I say, hold on there, happiness. Let me go seek Jesus' thoughts first. And regardless of all that I read on the internet or see on movies or television about what it means to have it all, I say, hold on. Let me see Jesus' thoughts on this first. My, my praise continues out those doors. And when I think I'm the center of it all, what pleases God is when I consider others and care for their needs. This is a sacrifice of praise. My praise stays unbroken when I consider others and care for them. Why is it? Because it pleases God. And for the Christ follower, the first thought is not, what makes me happy? For the Christ follower, the first thought is, what pleases the Lord? It's a new question. It's a new frame. It's a new set of tools. And I'm asking as a believer, as you claim to be believers, what pleases the Lord? That's what we ask together. We praise and we sing those songs that praise the Lord. Those are the things, the broken heart, the, the putting the self to death, loving him, loving others. The, this is how he grows us and praise remains unbroken. Now, as a pastor, I must also issue warnings found in Scripture. I know we don't like warnings. I know all we want is the good. But I want you to know that warnings are good. They are for our good. And as a pastor, I must do those things that that help us know there are warnings in Scripture, and if we keep running after the things that the Scripture warns us against, there are consequences and destruction that follow. And in Romans chapter 1, just as praise is the mark of someone who belongs to God, no praise is the mark of those who are not. In Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 21, Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. 
And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. And as those people were finding their joy in idols, their lives and lips praised those things. Those things led those people further and further into lies and destruction. Praise is natural. What you choose to run after, experience, and enjoy, you will naturally speak of with your lips and display with your life. And there are things in this world that will lead to destruction, and there is one who leads to life. Romans 1.24 says, So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Consequences are tied. No matter how much we try to say we can change the consequences with our choices and do better and try harder, the consequences are tied. If we reject the God of Scripture, who He says He is and what He says He has done, and we exchange Him for lesser things, minds go dark, people get confused, and we boast in ourselves. The consequences are tied to the choices we make. The results are a heartbreaking list. They're not a list that you go, ah, good, I'm not that person, or ah, too bad on them. They are heartbreaking results of choosing to run from the God of Scripture, choosing to know that He exists, and rejecting to worship or thank Him for anything. The results are heartbreaking, and I hope they break our hearts. For those who are running to those very things, that list includes broken sexual desires. That is a heartbreaking result. That is a heartbreaking result of saying, God, I know you exist, but I don't, I don't want anything to do with you. Greed, wickedness, Murder, arguing, malicious behavior, lying, gossip, backstabbing, pride, heartlessness, promise-breaking, ignoring parents. No mercy. Results of saying, God, I knew that you existed, but I don't want you. I want my desires first. It is a heartbreaking list to read, and I hope that we are humbled when we read that list Romans 1.32 says this, They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die. Yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them with them. The results are tied. When we reject praise, praising God, when we reject him and who he is and what he says he has done and, who, and all that he says of himself, the results are tied. Minds darken, people get confused, and we boast in our own wisdom. It is a heartbreaking 
thing to watch. Praise matters because you and I, we simply reflect and declare that which we love the most. Praise that moves from here to out there is a result of having recognized that I was one of those people. You know, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, this, this church that we ha- is so, has so many issues we don't have time to discuss. But Paul reminds them of the gospel, and that's found in 1 Corinthians 6. He says this, Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that. But you were clean, cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Praise is a natural response to something we have enjoyed. And in my sin, mercy came. In my running and believing that things and the desires of my own sinful heart and the culture and the world and all the things that are saying, we're better, I ran and went after those things. I didn't just turn my back on God. I actually said, God, there are things better than you. And so I have done two things, not just turning my back on, but also saying, God, these things are better than you. And in his mercy, he came close. And Jesus shows me that God is good and that he is strong and that he is righteous and that he is merciful and that he is grace-filled and that his unfailing love endures forever. Jesus introduces us to why praise is what we talk about. As the band comes and we close this morning, C.S. Lewis says it this way, It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. It is frustrating to have discovered a new author and not be able to tell anyone how good he is. To come suddenly at the turn of the road upon some mountain valley or unexpected grandeur and then to have to keep silent because the people with you care for it no more than for a tin can in the ditch to hear a good joke and find no one to share it with. We are a people made to praise. We are a people who naturally make noises about, dance around about, sing about what we have enjoyed and are continuing to enjoy. Humanity was made to praise God. And for the Christian, we have a grasp on why we praise Him. Because while we were yet sinners... Christ died just the right time. While I was in the midst of my idol making and carving and building and bowing down to, Christ came and died at just the right time and introduced me to what life really looks like. Jesus reveals all of this to us. Is there anything we can continue to do after death? We ask, what will heaven be like? 
Can we fly? Can we eat anything we want and not get fat? Can we ask questions to Jesus? One thing we know is that praise will be a part of it. Because if praise is the completion of something that I have enjoyed, and if the Christ follower's grandest and greatest desire is Jesus here on this side of earth, death is gain. One thing we know about heaven is that we will have everything to praise about. That's why it'll go on for all eternity. See, when we talk about praise, this is not something that is just Christians do. We all do it. It's all pointed in a direction. God has given us every reason to aim that praise directly at Him. Jesus is enough. So as we go into our time of communion and prayer this morning, there will be some folks set up around the room with a plate of bread and some juice. That bread represents the body of Christ, which was given for us. That juice represents the blood of Christ that was poured out for the forgiveness of sin. And at this time, when in response to what God has done, we want to invite those of you who would say, I have put my trust in Christ. I believe that He has died on my behalf, not just He's died, and that He has risen, and that He will return. The good news is mine. Then it's your time to go and take and dip the bread in the juice and remember what Christ has done. If you're still just exploring, if you have questions... You can observe. But there are times in life where we just want to respond, and this is a way we can. And there will be some people standing over on the far side of the room that will be ready to receive you to pray for you. If you're journeying and you're, you're just in need of prayer, they want to make that available. And I'll be standing right over here. If you said, I, I don't know what it means to put trust in Christ or what that looks like, then I want to pray for you and I want to meet with you too good. The news is too good to put it off. And so this morning, let us praise him with all that we are, with everything we have, including the kitchen sink, as it says in Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise his unequaled greatness. Praise him with the blast of the ram's horn. Praise him with the lyre and the harp. Praise Him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with strings and flutes. Praise Him with a clash of cymbals. Praise Him with loud clanging cymbals. Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord.